0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The auto show feels like a big deal to our local community, but it's sometimes difficult to gauge how big of a deal it is on a global scale. The truth is journalists and business people from around the world still travel here each year to take the temperature of our main industry the auto industry we look at the health of sales and momentum within the companies and we see which technologies and concepts are being developed and we also look at how the auto show itself is changing a few years Cobo Hall was relatively sparse as the industry grappled with failing companies and plummeting sales now that the show has rebounded it's starting to look, A little more like a technology showcase, more about what's inside the car and making it work than what the body style is on the outside. My guest this morning covers the auto industry and other things for NPR, and he's in town with a bevy of reporters who come here every year to look at how... The auto industry is faring. Sonari Glinton is a business desk correspondent for NPR, and he joins me now. Welcome to Detroit Today. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you here in Detroit. Uh, you come every year to, to check this uh, this show out and, uh, as I say, take the temperature uh, of the auto industry. I went down to the show yesterday for the first time uh, and and immediately noticed some, some differences from at least the last few years. I mean, I feel like... Uh, after the bankruptcies, the, the 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 car companies really wanted to show they were back at this show, and for a couple of years we had very big shows, especially uh, preview week. Uh, new models being introduced seemed like every couple of hours uh, during preview week, and the place was packed and pretty glitzy. Yesterday, uh, it seemed the crowd seemed a little thinner. Nah, <laughs> I see. It's mean, like it's we're we're doing okay. We yeah, got our profits, right. but
1: but one of the things is right, Stephen, is if you look at what's happening. Um, I like many people are afraid of the oncoming recession. I'm a third generation car person. Right, I know that things are cyclical in this industry. So we had several years of record, two growth? years of record growth, record profits. And the stock market started the year out this year as big as it had been since what year? Yeah, 1987. Right. Yeah, that's right, uh, Wall Street. And, yeah, right. and when we had, we had a, a collapse. And so what is different about, what is interesting now is that the car companies, almost all of them, are in a much better position now than they were facing uh, a recession. Right, and, right. And, and, and so there is, there is this sort of, all right, let's spend all the money we can on this technology stuff. While well, we got it, while well, we have it, right? and let's sock, let's sock as much money away. <laughs> let's streamline our manufacturing, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna send cows down. You know, <laughs> yeah, like right. you know, everyone
0: we, remembers the steers down, oh, yeah, down remember, the Washington I mean, Boulevard. What was that? Was that Chrysler who did that? I, um, I think it was. It was yeah. for a truck. Wasn't I think it? it was Dodge. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you know, uh, the the word I used yesterday was was hype. The show is missing the hype that it normally has, uh, and and like you say, maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that makes a lot of sense given the the positioning that the companies uh, have. But it it's it's noticeable.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, so when you think about the hype, right? When Ford is talking about spending ten billion dollars on autonomy, <laughs> and everybody's doubling down on electricity and autonomy, and they have to spend all this money, you know what? It's not what you did get, though. I should say. You got trucks. Yes. And trucks. They they love trucks, (laughs) You got trucks. I mean, we did have, uh, let me think about the, I did a story about the Toyota Avalon, which big uh, mid-sized sedan. I mean, not big mid-sized sedan. (laughs)
0: Large (laughs) sedan. That's the large one, right? The luxury one. Yeah.
1: The the large sedan (laughs) that has sort of fallen out of favor. SUVs and crossovers are big. And the themes of this show weren't, it was performance yeah. for high performance vehicles. But I would say it was connectivity. Um, so it's connected cars, autonomous cars, and I said, and electric cars. Like yeah. those are the three main themes that we're going to see. And each car company pushed a view a little bit. Some further.
0: different uh, the version of that, you know, Marcioni, uh, and and Hackett both seem to reel that in a little bit or try to reel in expectations. Oh, real, I mean, oh, oh, Sergio Marchione was like, Yo, we, we can do all that. We're, we're
1: you think we're at first and goal, we're, we're way we're back in the end zone, y'all. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, Sergio Marchione, who's retiring, um, as the head of the Fiat Chrysler group, yeah, um, seemed like, seemed to say, We don't have the technology. For electricity, it doesn't make economic sense. Which you know, he has a really good argument because less than four percent of the vehicles on the road are hybrids or electrics. Yeah, he's like, I don't see those cars driving themselves, and I don't see the world in which it happens now. The infrastructure, the cities that need exists. to change, and that's one of the things that Ford is doing, and General Motors are saying, "Look, we got to build out all this other stuff. Yeah. We got to get your car connected in order to drive, in order for you to drive your." for it for in order for it to drive you yeah
0: so but but you also had gm saying next year we're going to have these uh, autonomous vehicles as part of our fleet which i thought was a little bit of a tease Uh, a little bit uh, a little bit (laughs) and and i've asked some folks about this and i know now that what they're not saying for instance that i'm going to be able to walk into a showroom uh, and buy a car without a steering wheel and pedals uh, and, and and have it drive me around but that uh that you can barely uh, buy a chevy volt in most of the country right. so just to be clear about <laughs> right. promises right. I mean seriously right. uh but the that bolt. they will that these cars will start being part of fleets right that mm-hmm. uh, uh people who buy lots of cars uber for instance uh, may may start integrating autonomous vehicles into its fleet well
1: what what sergio said which i think is interesting is that the the commercial applications are the places where it seems I like will come first. I think that you're right. Fleet cars, trucking. Uh-huh. I you know, I also cover retail yeah. and every single person wants wants free shipping and they want it two days ago. <laughs> yeah, right, like, right. So if you can eliminate some of those costs and um, interstate trucking is one of the most I mean, they provide a lot of the danger yeah. um there. I mean, that's a dangerous job, but it's a, it's a lot of money, a lot of jobs and that I mean, this is you know there are all of these places where the auto industry, where autonomy could go, uh-huh. and you and I are the thing that we really should care about. Is I was a little late here <laughs> because <laughs> traffic because of traffic. <laughs> Autonomous cars still don't do anything, nec- don't necessarily do anything about congestion. That's true. And if you can figure out the city and figure out other forms of transportation, um, public transit light rail, all of these things add to a world in which we can get around together. I Like, that is the move, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Sonari Glenton. He's a business test correspondent for NPR. He's here covering the North American International Auto Show. He comes each year. Check out what is going on with our major industry here in Detroit. We're talking about this year's show. We're talking about the changes in this year's show, and of course, the changes in the industry that are that are driving those changes uh, in the show. The the presence and maybe omnipresence of technology as part of the NAIAS. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019. What do you think about the direction that uh, our auto industry is headed here in Detroit or internationally? Uh, do you think that things are changing too fast or maybe not fast enough uh, for you in terms of uh, the, the way we get around, who drives, you or the computer? those kind of questions uh, again 3135771019 is the number on the phones you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will uh, we will work you into the conversation. A little later, we're going to talk with Sonari about his mother's experience working in a Ford plant in Chicago many years ago. The experience she had with sexism and racism uh, there, another really interesting part of this conversation. We want to st- stay tuned for that. Uh, but again, if you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is the number. On the phones, I, I, I want to talk a little more about the technology part of the show and whether technology is pulling sort of wattage out of things like the auto show. So uh, I talked with uh, Paul Eisenstein last week uh, as he was getting here to, to to get ready for our auto show. He was coming from CES, and uh, the number of people I've talked to who came here from CES and sort of, I think, had their socks knocked off in Vegas uh, and, and Detroit just couldn't match that sort of excitement this year. Is that something that we're going to see continue or are we going to see maybe a merging of these two kinds of shows so that it's not just an auto show and not just a technology show, that it's all of these things sort of together?
1: Well, you know, I, I always wonder when, when, uh, when Detroiters – <laughs> Feel like some other city is better, or someone is doing something better. I want to say, hey, the North American International Auto Show is still the one to come to. Um, but CES is an important platform, and it's you're right; they are merging mm-hmm. because technology is tech. Yes, you know, but your car is tech. Everything in your car, the real things that are happening mm-hmm. in the the industry are about. It's about the tech in the cars. About sure. electrifying it. It's about making it go on its own. It's about connecting it to the internet and to you. It's about all these things. So when you go to CES, what 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 I think is really interesting is that you start to think about the car as being a delivery device. Yes. And right. when you start, I live in Los Angeles and when you're when you see that, when you see the cars go around, real conversations are being had about, I mean, this is way in the future. <laughs> this is like, you know, you know, uh producers. And, and car executive is, you know, dreaming. But people are like, well, when is Netflix going to buy their car company? Right. Because when they're electrified and <laughs> autonomous, it makes them then you watch your movies eyes. in the car. right? And that is where the heat is for a lot of this is how do you I mean, think about it. I like to think of the the auto industry as being kind of like your appendix. Right. Right. We're not really sure. I mean, in the in the terms of the modern economy, <laughs> has it, it
0: has it outlived its usefulness? Yeah, it's
1: vestigial. <laughs> we don't understand it. But if it gets disease,
0: it will kill you. You have a very big, big problem. But <laughs> I mean, like, right. Right?
1: What, what I think what electrification and autonomy are doing is saying, hey, come into the fold, right? Come in when like I said, when the cars are automated, when they become when you know, we have Amazon talking about using cars as Storage units right. or delivery systems, you know, that then, when you have an autonomous car, you know, that then makes sense. And what I, what I, what a lot of people think is going to happen is that a small, one of these smaller tech companies or one of these companies are going to have a really big problem. Yeah. And that'll make them ripe for being picked up by an Amazon, a, a huh. giant company. And yeah. that is, but right now, with the i mean like silicon valley doesn't understand how to handle unions right right or how to actually or or i mean to be clear or how to actually build something and then we see that manufacturing is a different yeah, and, thing yeah and we yeah. see that with um the the fourth american automaker tesla uh-huh. who's having tremendous problems getting out their affordable electric car something yeah. that general motors has been doing for months and right, months now. Right,
0: right. It's. I mean, sometimes I think about it as as comparable to the phone. Right. Uh, for 1997, for, it's right. like right before the flip phone came out. Exactly. That's why I tell people like, oh no, 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 no.
1: Our whole everything is about to change. <laughs> right now, people the phone like, is everything, need, and it like, used to just
0: this. be a phone. It used to just be a thing that you talked to somebody else on. Now it's the first thing I see. When I wake up in the morning, it's the last thing I see before I go to bed. I'm not sure that's entirely healthy, but it's it's one of those things that I think is pretty ubiquitous right now.
1: Yeah. And, and if you think about what is on the horizon, that is making transportation cheaper yeah, yeah. for older Accessible. people. Accessible. Uh, yeah, for, for people who are older or have disabilities or people who are poor, getting to and from the, the gig, that costs a lot of money. And if we can make that simpler, cheaper, cleaner… Imagine, imagine what our lives are like <laughs> yeah. when you know when I want to go to Saga Tuck and I can take a nap on the way, right? Or, or just or read or a book or, or whatever.
0: I mean, the the lost productive time behind the wheel is something we don't think about because it's something that we've always had to deal with. But uh, the gain there in terms of what you could do or what you could not do.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think I was in China recently, and uh, in some of the cities they're like, yeah, we got to skip past this car thing. Like Shanghai, it's really yeah. hard to get a car, um, and you realize as people are telling me is that it's not just the we think autonomous cars spending eight spending you know taking a three thousand pound vehicle to send you know <laughs> this one hundred eighty pound guy from Southfield to you know mid mid city Detroit is not effective no. right always no. right and so there are all of these in betweens that we haven't thought of and as autonomous cars make the roads safer. The fun thing is someone who didn't buy a car until it was 37 and became NPR's car reporter, <laughs> and I rode my bike all the time, right? It makes biking safer. It makes these smaller vehicles safer. Sure. And that is, you know, BMW has a is working on a motorcycle that has an internal gyroscope that you can't fall off of. So yeah. when people think about, you know, autonomous cars being dull I'm like well if you don't have a car like now I can now I don't have to be afraid to ride a motorcycle <laughs> so right, right that's right I'm one not going to
0: scramble my brains when I fall off the yeah, thing right? this
1: is like the most exciting thing to happen yeah. and if you think that a, tra- a communication revolution was huge imagine a when I can be in France one, right? when I can be in France for yeah. 40 bucks
0: I, that's a hard sell here in Detroit uh, mm-hmm. but but I think I I think you're right uh, let's go to the phones here Charlie in Southfield welcome to Detroit today <laughs> Yeah, the only way I can see these autonomous cars is if we have a constitutional amendment to guarantee we can still drive our own cars <laughs> see? and we're not locked in. You, know, you, know, you know, what? I'm going to he's back. speaking ex- guns. he's speaking well exactly to the point that we were just making, which is that people here I'm going to I'm going to stop. People this here right. have a real different view. Of okay, the here. car. here's the real different view. 40, Thank 000, you for the call Charlie. Yeah.
1: Charlie, <laughs> forty thousand people died on America's roads. Princess Di, Princess Grace, David Halberstam, uh, Bob Simon, my father, Alan Shoes, all died in a car accident. Every single one of us has someone in our family who has either been crippled, maimed, or killed by these vehicles. We have got to do something about safety and one of the main ways to deal with safety in these cars. It is 40,000 deaths. Like that is, we should be ashamed of ourselves because we are not doing enough to stop, and it's not just autonomy, it's thinking about every, it's city planning, yeah. it's each of us, but this is a huge step. You know, there are countries in America, We between three and 6% of gross national product is spent on car accidents. Yeah. I hate to get like all passionate about it, but this is not, like, this ain't no but joke. You, know, you can drive your car if you want, but like, I'm, <laughs> why don't you drive it on a road? You it, can drive right? it on a track or someplace, but when it's hitting people, That's the thing. The block
0: there, the mental block there, is people don't believe. I I keep trying to get this. They're dumber than computers, right? People, (laughs) people really believe that they can ultimately make better and quicker decisions than a computer can, and that's. I mean, that's a cultural thing that I think uh, it's a cultural barrier that we've got to get over before people can accept these autonomous cars. The, The example I've been using with people to try to convince them is the airline industry. Ninety percent of the time, when you are on a plane, it is at thirty thousand feet, going six hundred miles an hour. It's a computer that is making sure that that plane is going where it's supposed to go, not running into other other things when it's landing in fog or snow or all these other things. It's the computer doing that. I mean, and the Brazil. It's safer, point. right? Mm-hmm. It's safer. We we just came off the first year in I think thirty years that we had zero commercial airline deaths. That is because computers control. Most of the air traffic. Think about your elevator, right? Yeah, right. Same we we same. like
1: that is an autonomous vehicle that sends you shooting hundreds of miles an <laughs> hour a, you into wanna the air. Want to drive that? <laughs> yeah. And and what what we realized, my 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 uh, former colleague in NPR, uh, Steve Hinn did a story about the the elevator. Mm-hmm. People were afraid to get on them because they're like, I need a guy. I don't want a guy to operate because people used to get decapitated, sure. be maimed, all those things. And like elevators
0: User were dangerous. Error.
1: Yeah. Now elevators. Are one of the safest right. forms you of transportation you never think about that you never think about it and we want to get moving getting to work as i don't want you know what it is i want to say hey Stephen, when you when you're going to new orleans or i'm going to la i don't want people to have to say safe travels yeah right yeah right because <laughs> right. that is, you know it's
0: presumed that you will get there okay
1: yeah because on my way to D, dtw <laughs> this afternoon Will be the most dangerous thing that I do
0: today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Before uh, we we uh, get too too deep into the time here, I want to I want to pivot to have you tell this story uh, about your mother and her experience working in a Ford plant. Uh, You also, I guess, worked in in an auto plant. I don't know if it was a Ford plant, but 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 tell us about that. I think this is a time when people are thinking about the sort of echoes of uh, uh, you know uh, racism and sexism across time. Uh, I think this is a really important story for that. that yeah, um, before
1: Christmas, the New York Times did a uh, front page story about uh, sexual harassment at the Chicago assembly plant at Ford. Uh, my mother was one of the first uh, women in management, one of the first women of color in management, and about 25 years ago, she sued Ford, um, and it was and was interesting. And partially, she sued them because of the way they had treated me. Hmm. I was working on the assembly line. It was I was an 89 day air, came in to help pay my way through college. You know the pro, uh, the plurality of African American uh, <laughs> who graduated <laughs> from college had a parent who worked at an auto plant. at an auto plant. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a real thing, um, and. It was, I mean, to explain the culture, if I hadn't seen it for myself, to to have my mother be a manager and go in a bathroom and see her name on the wall when you're a 19-year-old kid, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when I, one of the summers I worked nights and my mom wouldn't let me be alone to get home to and from because the parking lot was insane. You could get anything. I, I live, um, the, People the, would say anything,
0: I guess. No, no, not say anything. Oh, no, no. It
1: was like the Alt-Gale Gar- Garden Apartments were down the street where Barack Obama was an organizer. Uh-huh. They're, they're, the union at the time would have trailers and prostitutes would come. Good grief. And, like, there, you could get anything you wanted. An insurance policy, corn. One of my favorite stories was a guy got in trouble for having his bachelor party at night at that plant and people drove like circled their F150s around. Oh my goodness. Right? And you know, and he in the flatbed was a stage and only one person got fired. The security oh. guard who let it happen, right? This is the culture. My mom was a became a manager in the early 70s. And the culture there was she would go through and pull down pornographic uh, posters and her bosses would say, "You if you want to work in a men's shop, got to deal with what men deal with and what's crazy when she sued her and um, my dear friend uh, her, her dear friend K Smith it was two of them Dorothy Glinton, K Smith versus um, Ford Motor Company it was only the two of them they were in management the next wave happened when the hourly employees got together but what was sad is that they sued 25 years ago mm-hmm. and then 25 years later the same Thing and many of the same people from twenty years years before were implicated still, again. Still, still, yeah. Involved. And you wonder why there's only one Mary Barra <clears> because <throat> right. that is the entry point to the auto You've got industry. To get the through plant, all of that. You got to get and through the so yeah. much more.
0: Uh, you know, I I, I wonder. Uh, Bill Ford had a made a statement about all of this sort of stuff. Uh, I, I guess a couple months ago now. How did that land on your ears? Well, I have.
1: What's interesting about this is that in many ways, you wonder how much you can fault the people at the top. There is this, um, there's sort of a an idea about how it works That the further away you get from Detroit, sure. the wilder the plants are, the crazier the things that happen there. Um, I think that, like I said, I saw the things. I was treated poorly at that plant 25 mm-hmm. years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom sued and her friends sued and then, then another suit and another suit. <laughs> um you realize that so much has changed and i don't and and how do you create the systems to make it last and what's weird and what's difficult for me is that as a as someone who saw my mother go through this i saw the pain right skip forward 25 years later i'm at npr where this is happening and i knew about it before mm-hmm. it became public mm-hmm. right it didn't my knowledge of what happened with my mother Seeing it firsthand, understanding the pain of it, apparently didn't help me to understand what was going on around me, and I That's think that we, and I think we all need to, like, think about how we relate to each other, and especially, I mean, well, at the Ford plant, that is, it, it should be treated like a crisis, right. and it was really, it, you know, the CEO of the company, uh, said that he was going to take a hand in making it, it better. Yeah. And that, that was a first. One of the things that my mom joked about was 25 years ago when they sued, that was not the front page New York Times story. And that does show the difference. But the, the sadness is, I feel is that, is watching the pain of my mother now. And it was weird because it's not, it's the NPR pain that bothers her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she, she sees what's happening in the media and she thinks, well I sued, I did all these things. I worked hard to make so it better. To make it better for my son, for people below. And I don't, and and literally on our 75th birthday, which was in November, while all of these stories are coming out, the women who are all, you know, mm-hmm. these pioneers, my mom's friends, you know, just <laughs> a certain generation. My mom's, one of my mother's friends is the first, one of the first police officers in Chicago, mm-hmm. another one of the first engineers at GTE. They, you know, another friend got fired for getting pregnant by American Airlines. I mean, these are, they were all sad at the idea that their children and grandchildren, they work so hard so that we wouldn't have to work in a plant. Right. And then we go to the white collar world <laughs> and it's still the same. Now, I, I do think we have agency. I have agency, you know, in the white collar world, I, in a way that people at that plant did not did and not. still don't and still don't and I think that if if you know this is such a huge problem that as, as one of my mother's friends <laughs> joked they were like if they had been paying more attention to the cars <laughs> know. and right. and not this sh- and not the shenanigans and that is that is really <laughs> true is that like these people and also what's weird is that these women and you know these people who worked in these plants, that glass ceiling is not a glass ceiling. It's a, it's a concrete it ceiling. My mother is like one yeah. of the smartest people I know. She was 10,000 parts of a car. I work with, I work with, I talk to car people all the time. I have not met one <laughs> smarter, smarter than, than a woman. Another, right? And none of those people got promotions. Yeah. And the way that, what they could have done to the auto industry in the 80s and the 90s. Where would
0: we be now? There you go. Yeah. All right. Diversity Sinari, is an innovation. Snarry Glenn, it's always a pleasure to see you here in Detroit. Uh, thanks for coming into the studio and talking to us about all of these issues. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. That's going to do it for me today. Uh, remember, if you missed any part of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us with you. Listen wherever and whenever You are ready. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And the Detroit Today theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobey. And this is WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.